0: like to sometimes think about money as this thing that's just like totally cut off and separate from everything else. But the fact is, it's really just a manifestation of our values, of the way we communicate, of our priorities. And I think if we can think about it that way, maybe it becomes something that isn't quite so scary, but rather an exciting tool to really build a marriage around our values.
1: Welcome to Love These Days by Pop Sugar, a brand new podcast sponsored by Crate and Barrel Wedding Registry that tackles all the ways the last year has changed relationships because it's safe to say a lot has changed. I'm Jenna Ashkowitz
2: and I'm her fiance and co-host David Stanley.
1: This week, we're tackling that touchy relationship subject, money. We all know that finances are complicated enough to deal with on your own. So add another person to the mix
2: and things get even more complicated as you and I have found out. I'm going to be taking notes during this one.
1: Well, let's get to it. Stephanie O'Connell Rodriguez is a nationally recognized personal finance author and small business owner who specializes in helping millennials better manage their money. Her advice has appeared in The Wall Street Journal, The New York Times, Cosmopolitan, and Oprah Magazine.
2: Hey, we're in good company.
1: She is also the co-founder of Statement, an event for women in financial media, and the founder of Statement Cards, a greeting card company that celebrates financial wins like getting a raise or paying off your student loans. I love that.
2: Welcome to Love These Days by Pop Sugar.
1: This episode of Love These Days by Pop Sugar is sponsored by Crate and Barrel Wedding Registry. Pots and pans, cooking in Cabernet, Sundays, and sleeping in. Make your home undeniably yours with a Crate and Barrel Registry. Stephanie, welcome. Thank you so much for having me on. Congratulations on Thank your engagement.
2: You. Thank you Thank so you. much. We really we are, appreciate it.
1: And we are so excited to talk with you. Seriously.
2: Wow. Seriously, excited.
1: We actually ironically started kind of talking about merging finances pretty recently. This is very new to us. So, we feel like we have a lot to learn from you.
2: We have so many questions. (laughs) We're so excited for this.
0: Well, I'm happy to hear it. And I'm happy to hear that you're both on board for talking about it, which is unfortunately not something all couples do before they get married. So, the fact that you're really leaning into this conversation is awesome.
1: That's fascinating to me that people wouldn't think or want to talk about it. I, I guess money is such a sensitive subject, right?
0: Well, we have so many emotions, anxieties, fears, all tied up in money. Our ideas of our worth, the way we saw money treated growing up, the way our partners saw money being treated growing up, those can be different and that can create points of tension. And there's just so much emotional baggage wrapped up in our relationship with money that we don't always think about. But at the end of the day, if we don't talk about that with each other, it's going to come out in other ways. I like that we're, we're debunking it now. Let's
1: do that. Totally. <laughs> Let's
0: talk about money. It's so much fun, right? I you know, know. what I'm mean to say is like money, it's not about the dollars and cents. It's about what that money affords you. It's about the life you're building together. And money is really just a proxy for your values. What are your individual values? And then what are the new values you're bringing in as a team to your marriage? And so that's the way I like to frame the conversation.
2: Mm. I love that. And maybe talking about finances actually could bring you closer together.
1: Yes. <laughs> so what is the right time to start talking about finances? I always say as soon as possible today. Now, mm-hmm.
0: of course, you know, you're already engaged. You said you've been having this conversation. I'm of the mindset that as soon as you think about it, talk about it. Because the fact is money touches Everything It touches where we can afford to go out to dinner, where we can afford to live, the big goals that we have for our future and how we're going to go about them. So money is already naturally connected to everything we're already doing in our lives. The thing is, we generally lean out of that conversation, especially
1: when dating, rather than leaning into it. So I guess like, you know, David and I, I think we have pretty similar views on how we approach finances, at least right now, I think that. But we are new in this kind of conversation. But what would you say if like a couple, right, if two people in the relationship have like different kind of approaches and attitudes toward their own finances, would you say like is merging finances the right way to go?
0: Well, I think when we're talking about attitudes, views, values, priorities, like everything in a relationship, you don't have to agree on the specifics of everything to come to an agreement. So, for example... I don't necessarily want to play video games. That doesn't mean I don't think my husband should play video games if that brings him joy. We don't have to agree exactly on where the money is going to have an agreement about where our financial goals are as a team. What I think what we do need to have a shared understanding around is one that we're going to talk about these things. So I might not need to account for every dollar he spends and he doesn't need to account for every dollar I spend But there are a few things that we say, okay, we will not spend over this amount of money without talking to each other first. Or I won't spend more than a certain amount of money each month on my own personal expenses. So I think more than anything really specific, it's about being really firm on having shared expectations,
1: boundaries, goals, and conversation. And it just sounds like in any, you know, overarching thing in a relationship, there's always compromise, right? Of course. Yeah. You know, like,
0: again, it's not, it's not that we're agreeing on everything. And, you know, I, i I use video games as an example because I could care less, <laughs> right? But there are bigger things, you know, for example, I don't, really feel any way toward owning a home. That's a huge financial decision. It's not necessarily a priority or a goal for me. But if it is a priority for my partner, that's something that I'm probably going to want to talk about and know about before we get into the place where resentment starts to build because oh, I haven't been saving for a down payment, right? So I think this is where these conversations are so valuable to have at this point while you're still prepping for the marriage rather than five years down the line when my partner turns around and says to me, what do you mean you have no liquid savings that we could put toward a property? I was like, well, I didn't know we were planning for that. (laughs) Right.
2: Stephanie, follow up to that. Is there such a thing as financial compatibility or incompatibility?
0: I think financial compatibility is like all kinds of compatibility, but you want to get a sense of, you know, do their values align with yours? Are you flexible with one another? Are they willing to talk to you about Mm. things? You know, I, I always come back to dating because, you know, a lot of these conversations maybe we think about starting them during the dating process, but we don't actually have them because we get <laughs> afraid. So in dating, it's like, well, what kinds of dates is your partner suggesting? Uh, how do they feel about splitting the check or picking up the check or letting you pick up the check? This is where you can start kind of assessing questions of compatibility without really coming out and interrogating somebody. And I think, you know, for me, I'm of the view that there is, no real red flag deal breaker. I think there can be red flags, but I don't think a red flag becomes a deal breaker until someone is unwilling to engage in the conversation. And I'm not of the view that debt is a deal breaker. The fact is debt is a reality for a lot of people. Mm. But there's a difference between someone who's willing to say, oh, I have this debt and this is what I'm bringing into the relationship. And I think... This is how I've been tackling it alone. And someone who is saying, trying to hide their debt or trying to say, it's my problem. You have nothing to do with it and shut you out of that conversation. That's when I think financial circumstances aren't the deal breaker, but rather the communication and the behavior Mm. around the circumstances can become the deal breaker.
2: It's so interesting, Stephanie, as you talk that financial compatibility sounds to me like a lot related to honesty and communication and a willingness to listen and learn and engage with the other person in a way that's much less financially specific and actually much more general in terms of good relationship behaviors.
0: I was going to say, that sounds like familiar advice, right? We like to sometimes think about money as this thing that's just like totally cut off and separate from everything else. But the fact is, it's really just a manifestation of everything else. It's a manifestation of our values, of the way we communicate, of our priorities. And I think if we can think about it that way, maybe it becomes something that isn't quite so scary, but rather... An exciting tool
1: to really build a marriage around our values. Yeah, definitely. Well, I actually have just a a question because it doesn't sound like there really is that true incompatibility when it comes to finances. And so, like, what's some advice for couples who have different spending approaches, right? So, like, I definitely spend more than David does. That's hands down. And when I'm thinking about merging our finances, it's like, how do I go about doing this where I'm not feeling bad about when I'm spending things and when I'm not? And I know you've said kind of that managing expectations, but like what other advice would you give for couples who there's one person who spends more and one person who is way more frugal?
0: I'm a really big fan of money dates. I like to sit down and talk about money with my partner at least once a month because I think one of the things we think about when we're talking about, okay, we're going to have the money talk. We think sometimes that we're just going to do this one thing and then it's checked off our list and then we like never have to deal with it again until there's some major trauma, whether it's like we're <laughs> dealing with like a major medical bill or we're right. dealing with something that's exciting. Like we want to buy a house, but now we need to like cobble together a down payment in like two seconds. Totally. So <laughs> I really like to think about money, both in isolation and as a couple as a practice, much like you might have a meditation practice or a yoga practice. It's not something you do once, check off your list and set aside. Mm -hmm. It's something you return to on a regular basis. And so I think one of the really important pieces after you set expectations and after you set your boundaries and after you set your goals with your partner is developing a practice of seeing how you're both aligning with those goals, expectations, and behaviors you set. And then, okay, if Jenna is spending more money, (laughs) that might be totally fine. You know, as long as you're both still on track for your shared expectations and your shared goals – then she should go enjoy that money. But Mm -hmm. if her spending is getting your shared goals off track, well, then that's a conversation about, okay, where do we need to adjust? And Mm -hmm. if that conversation gets to a point where it's getting heated, Maybe, maybe there's a lot of emotions. We said money can be emotional. Well, that can be an opportunity to bring in a third party uh, in the form of either a financial professional or a therapist. And I think there's so many different tools to bring into the arsenal to um, really make sure that those conversations are happening productively rather than just emotionally.
1: Hmm.
2: Yeah. Talk us through the idea of a money date including making a budget like walk us step by step through what that would look like.
0: So your first money date really just needs to be about laying the foundation and that's where I like to do what I call taking inventory. So what do we actually have? Where is our money going and where is it living? So I think when we're talking about where is it going, that's kind of the spending, that's the budget, that's the expenses. So If you can pull up your credit card statements, your bank statements for the last few months, you can get a general picture about what are those recurring monthly costs and what do we need to have a line item for in our new shared budget. And then as you're kind of parsing through each of those line items, you can have a conversation where you think, Do we need to be spending this much money on clothes right now, given that we're in quarantine, or is this money that we want to redirect towards something else? So that's an opportunity as you're going through and building out that budget and seeing what those line items are to assess the value of each one. Is it something you want to allocate to your personal spending allowances? Or is it something that you want to adjust as a couple? Maybe you can negotiate a better deal on your your television package, for example. So beyond that, you also want to take stock of the bigger picture because money isn't just about what's coming in and going out each month. It's sure. about building a full financial foundation to support Mm -hmm. the goals that you want to achieve in the next 5, 10, 20, 30, 40 plus years. So that's retirement savings. That's any major assets you have. If you have debts, you know, you want to take stock of everything that you own and everything that you owe. And Mm -hmm. we like to call this process getting financially naked. So this is like (laughs) really sexy. Right? It's like (laughs) Sometimes it's sexy. Uh, Sometimes it's vulnerable. Usually a little bit of both, right? Because sometimes it's like, oh, wow, you have a really good looking retirement account already.
2: (laughs) And sometimes,
0: right? Sometimes it's like, Oh my gosh, you went to medical school and have $100,000 in loans. So, right. right. And it's not about judging what the other person's bringing to the table. It's just about painting the full picture of where we're starting from so that we can identify okay, what do we need to incorporate into that monthly cash flow budget to get to where we want to go, big picture? And then finally, well okay, what is the thing we're working toward? Once you've taken inventory, you have a you are here mark like on a map means like the you are here is our net worth as a couple today, everything we own minus everything we owe. Sure. And then we set our goals, that's our destination point on the map. And yeah. then that those line items in the budget, that's that's the path. That's the path that gets us from where we are to where we want to go. And the money dates. Those are the times we sit down each month to review our progress, to say, how well did we do in making progress towards those goals we set? Right. In a year like this year, right? There's right. been a lot of changes. So if you're not coming back and checking in on that progress, then you, you maybe haven't updated your plan accordingly to make sure that you can get back on track. This
1: is so interesting.
2: And that makes sense. When I think about what Jen and I have done together, one of the things that we realized early on as a couple is that we were going back and forth and back and forth in paying for meals and doing things uh, in terms of expenses. And at a certain point, we realized there was so much in common. We needed a shared strategy. And so we adopted a shared credit card. And our money dates have really been around focusing on that and thinking about how we're spending each month. But I really like the idea of thinking about a broader approach to that. Especially do you think about your longer term right. needs?
1: Yeah, because our shared credit card, it, we already started, you know, early on in our relationship. I would say, like, are you comfortable with me putting this on the shared card or any kind of, you know, home goods now that we live together? And that was definitely something new having to ask about finances. And, you know, I do the online shopping. So, you know, for me, it was like, how do I? No question about that. <laughs> is this okay to put on the card? Are you okay with splitting this? Or, you know, where are we at with this? And, you know, we merged our streaming. So he, he pays for one, I pay for another. So, you know, we've kind of already started to get financially naked. It's just beginning to now make goals for the future and in actually physically merging bank accounts, right? Which is another thing that I'm kind of curious about. But, you know, I think that we, some of our newer goals are like thinking about having equity in a place and having our money go into a home. And and that's really exciting. But it's it's all such brand new territory for us. And slightly, um nerve-wracking in a way to go okay so we're we just merge bank accounts now is that how it works <laughs>
0: yeah you know i i love that you guys are thinking about a bigger picture too and and you've already adopted some of the habits you know i think it's great to test drive some of these things before you enter into a marriage because like a marriage is a legal <laughs> commitment it's like You know, having a business partnership with someone, and I know it's not a romantic way of putting it, but at the end of the day, that that is what it is. And and to go into it without ever having shared anything financially, I, I mean... That's a little bit scary. (laughs) So
2: (laughs) the fact that you've had these, you
0: know, training wheels, let's say, to of the shared expenses, of the card, and and you've been able to build that financial foundation and financial trust is really just such a valuable tool that you can now build upon as you are asking questions, okay, about bank accounts and then beyond bank accounts, you know, there's huge questions like, you know, what kind of financial and legal documents do we need in case of an emergency? How do we protect our assets and our estate? I mean, these are huge questions, and it's really hard to talk about all of that the day after the wedding. So it's nice that you've been doing it already.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, we appreciate that. We like to think that we're, you know, at least partially naked. We're not fully naked yet. We're we're on the pathway. We're on the pathway.
1: With that, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. Planning a wedding in a pandemic is a lot, but there's still one part of wedding planning that should be fun.
2: Not the engagement photos again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, the registry. Crate & Barrel is the place to find timeless pieces you'll love forever.
2: You mean I can finally get that barbecue smoker? Well,
1: talk about that. Whether you're movie buffs, wine lovers, or budding home chefs, Crate & Barrel can help you create a wedding registry that's undeniably yours. Plus, they offer one-on-one expertise and sample registries created by real couples that make it so easy to get inspired.
2: The smoker is easy. That's what I've been trying to tell you. Okay, then how about the beer glasses?
1: (laughs) Okay, fine. Let's add it to the registry.
2: We've talked about uh, some of them, but I'm curious, Stephanie, broadly speaking, what are some of the common habits of financially healthy couples?
0: So I think when we're talking about A healthy financial relationship with a couple. We're talking mostly, honestly, about communication, which is something you alluded to earlier. It's like the golden rule of relationship works for money just like it works for everything else. So if there's honesty, if there's transparency, that's something that really helps couples strengthen their relationships.
1: Well, and I feel like, you know, engaged couples too, like if they're not laying a foundation early and they're not talking about it, because I don't think enough people are talking about money and normalizing that, right? But I feel like there's a lot that comes to light when you're planning a wedding. mm when you're deciding on a budget when you're deciding who who's paying so i'm just curious to hear about your thoughts on like couples who are newly engaged and beginning the wedding planning process as well in terms of budget well yeah you make such a good
0: point you have to think about a wedding it is a pretty major purchase for some couples more than others but for many it might be the first major purchase you are making with your partner Wow. And when you think about it from that perspective, it really just kind of presents an opportunity, I like to say, to kind of talk about okay, well, when we do have a big money goal, what's our approach to it? How do our values actually play out in practice? And how do we get on the same page when we're managing the expectations of? how many interested parties, whose grandmother wants this. So it's really just a wedding is kind of like a microcosm of all the kind things that you can expect to encounter in the goals ahead. So in that regard, it's great that couples are kind of having to have this challenge right. or let's call it an opportunity. But <laughs> like I said before, if they haven't had the experience of sharing things before, like you have had that experience, you have been trading on you know who's paying, you have the shared credit card, you have the training wheels to be able to handle that. But if a couple has not had that before, this can be really disorienting. And it's really hard to cobble together 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, however much money you're spending, $1,000 on a wedding in a year or two. If you, right. I mean, for anybody, much less if you've never talked about money with your partner before.
2: So let's say that you're a couple, unlike us, that doesn't have those training wheels yet and is planning their wedding. And this is the first big financial thing they're doing together. What What tips, what strategies do you have for a couple like that As they're pursuing their wedding and trying to stay on budget.
1: Well, on top of that, David, to that point, like there's so many outside forces from a wedding. There's people that are going to continue to push you to spend more and more money, whether it's family members, whether it's a vendor. So I just wanted to add that on top of David's great question. For sure. So
0: my biggest piece of wedding planning advice from a financial perspective is always, always, always remember the wedding is the beginning of your marriage. It's not the culmination. I think what happens is when it comes to wedding planning, wedding is obviously a major milestone. But the problem is if we think about it as the end goal rather than a starting point, it's really easy to let ourselves get carried away and start spending emotionally to the point that after the wedding, finally, when we are starting our marriage, then we're starting from a place of feeling like we've been overextended. Maybe we had to take on debt and that's not really where we wanted to start our marriage from because we wanted to actually Mm -hmm. buy a house. So I think the first thing for every couple, whether you have a money dialogue already or not, is to step back and put your wedding into context. Mm. So, rather than being like, okay, let's set a wedding budget, let's think about what we want the first five to 10 years of our marriage to look like. Mm. And within that context, the wedding will obviously be a very important piece of it, but it's not the only piece of it. And so, that's my number one thing that I tell couples to start from. Now, of course, once you get into the specifics, I can say I want to have a twenty thousand dollars wedding, but you know, tomorrow my I've already spent forty thousand dollars. So <laughs> that's where you get into a lot of these other conversations that kind of again loop back to what we were talking about earlier, because a wedding is ultimately a microcosm of everything else. So uh, I talked before about expectations. One thing my husband and I both did is we both set an expectation of how much we were each going to. Put toward our wedding. Mm -hmm. And we put it in our first shared savings account. But then Mm -hmm. there's also a question about boundaries. So, are we going to let anybody else contribute to the wedding? And what are the expectations if we accept that? My husband Mm -hmm. and I decided not to let people. (laughs)
2: <laughs> we decided
0: not to let people contribute to our wedding because we did not want to have to deal with that trade-off. But it's a conversation worth having. It's it's really just about finding ways to like manage what you're going to be managing the rest of your life, which is family dynamics, expectations, different rules. Everybody has their own thoughts. Everyone has their own boundaries. But if I set the precedent from the start that, listen, it's our wedding, we're going to do it our way. If you would like to contribute a gift, here's how we yep. can help. You know yep. that that's what worked for us. For other people, it might be something different.
1: Oh, I love that idea, like the idea that you guys had somebody pay for something contributing towards the wedding, right? right. Like the live band, right, or the flowers, right. or something
0: really specific. That way, it's contained
1: to right. that thing. Totally. I think that's something that we've discussed as well. And I personally like started off being like, I don't want for us to spend our life savings on this, right? Like what happens all the days after we get married? That's what's important to me. So we had that conversation very early on. But um I think in learning what each thing costs and goes into actually making this day happen and making it happen successfully, we really had to prioritize what was important to us and what we were going to spend more money on versus what we were going to sacrifice a little bit on. You know, like you know, food and drink to us is really a huge love language yeah, of ours. Absolutely, we share in in a love for both, and so yeah. in our wedding day, that's what's important to us. We want a really great caterer, we want a really great bar, and a really great photographer. To have those memories. And then the rest is kind of like, you know, throwing at us all these wonderful things and going, okay, so what's important and what's not, and what can we make work? I, I couldn't
0: agree more with you guys. I mean, I take the same approach. And again, I'm gonna say it again. I, I'm a broken record here, but how <laughs> how great of an example of the wedding being a microcosm of your broader values, right? Like splurge on the things you care about. I love how you said food and drink is our love language. Go mm-hmm. all out with your budget on that. That makes total sense. But mm-hmm. if something else isn't, who cares? I took a taxi to my wedding. I didn't need a limo. Who cares? <laughs> but, you know, totally. I had a live band. That stuff is expensive. I just right. think what the big thing with weddings that I learned from my own experience, and it's just true for money in general, is that there's such an expectation of what it's supposed to look like? What does Mm -hmm. success look like? What does a wedding look like? What is the expectation of everybody else? But really, it's about just drowning that out and being with your partner and being like, what matters to us? And how do we make sure the way our money is flowing out aligns with the things we value?
2: Mm. Uh, I just love that so much. And I think It's one of the things that we've talked about, which is wanting to have a wedding that's a decent size, but not too big. So we can actually really enjoy the intimacy of the moment with the people that matter the most to us. So everyone knows by now that we love games. We're a game loving (laughs) couple. And we would love to play, Stephanie, one of our favorites with you. It's called Would You Rather?
0: What? What's would you rather?
1: You've never Just heard of kidding. this? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Stephanie, are you ready? David, are
1: you that gullible? <laughs>
2: <laughs> you um, all
1: right.
0: I'm going to do my best to be rapid fire because I can be very indecisive. <laughs> okay.
2: Be ruthless. Be
0: ruthless. Ruthless.
2: Would you rather spend your savings on a big honeymoon or a down payment on a house?
1: Oh, that's easy. Big honeymoon. And I did. (laughs) That's right. Okay. Be in a relationship with a penny pincher or an overspender? Oh, that's good. (laughs) Man, that's really
0: tough. You know why? Because my husband was more the spender and I was more the penny pincher, but I found that we both influenced each other in a really positive way.
1: (laughs) I learned to enjoy my
0: spending and he learned to enjoy maxing out his 401k.
1: (laughs) You guys kind of influence each other in the best way. But if you had to pick one,
0: I guess I'm going to go with a penny pincher, although it's kind of a (laughs) buzzkill.
1: (laughs) <laughs> hey, listen, you are a financial advisor. so
0: <laughs> I know. It's just like, uh, I, I know, lo- I know. I'm someone who loves money, but I also love spending money. Like I love saving money as much as I love spending money. And I think that's healthy. Um, and penny pinchers, I think, get into this like very scarcity mindset. And then I would, that's like really difficult to be around, especially when you're trying to plan something like a wedding. <laughs> totally. Absolutely.
2: Win the lottery or be guaranteed a job for life.
0: I'm going to win the lottery. I'll make up my own job. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I
2: love that. That's that's right. I can
0: invest invest that lottery money, get get real returns. (laughs)
2: ROI. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: Register for a a few big items or lots of smaller necessities.
0: Mm, That's tough. As someone who's been through this process, I kind of did a little bit of both. And I love absolutely everything we got. So I can't make a choice.
1: So it's a little bit of both.
0: A little bit of both.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I would be remiss to say that another thing that we've been talking a lot about is flexibility in planning. Mm. As we think about the situation in COVID, there's so much going on right now. And I couples like us, I think, are thinking a lot about this. But how do we also arrange for the wedding in a way where given the circumstances, there's some flexibility built in so that we can modify or change things according to safety and also according to what's going to make sense for us and for our friends and family.
0: Another wonderful life lesson, by the way, right? <laughs> like you're thinking about the safety and the fact that circumstances are changing on the ground every day, especially when we come to live events. But this is again a recurring theme throughout marriage that's something that's going to affect your money. And being flexible is so important. And having that foundation of a regular financial dialogue and about talking about these challenges makes that flexibility so much easier to implement
2: a hundred percent
1: it is a a very unique time in history and many people are feeling the weight of this so in cutting back and making investments in your future and making sure that you are still working towards those goals um, I would just ask you about how to think about doing that in this time
0: I think it's really important that you really create that inventory that we were talking about before about what is the cost of our monthly living. And once we have that baseline, that can create a little bit of consistency because, you know, even for non-artists income these days there's no 40 year career path anymore with incremental raises right the That's workforce true. has changed people are in and out of work all the time whether it's because of covid or not you know there's so many reasons for just a much more precarious, uh, variable way of living in this world financially. So we have to find those elements where there is some consistency. And the consistent thing I know is rent is still due on the first of every month, right? (laughs) So our income might change from month to month, but if we have a sense of what we need to earn at a minimum to afford our cost of living,
1: that's some consistency we can build around. I think about things that are like, habits that I have in spending that I'm like, okay, so where can I cut here? And where can I cut there? But are you cutting things out of your budget just because, right? And things that, you know, bring you daily joy, like going to get my morning coffee, my $7 (laughs) coffee, but those things make me happy. So where is it that you can kind of compromise on these things?
0: Well, I, I think you make a really good point. I think that spending on things that bring you joy, even if they're not 100% necessary to your survival, I think spending on your joy is important. And I would call that priority spending. So I like to kind of categorize my spending into survival spending, priority <laughs> spending, and then everything else. So I think the tendency when we talk about like saving money is to be like, okay, just stop buying coffee. But I think that's really nonsense. Like at the end of the day, if that's what's bringing you joy, maybe that's worth keeping over something else. So for example one of the ways I like to think about saving money is to think about where I can get the biggest win. And generally, where the big wins come from, come from reassessing your biggest expenses. So one thing my husband and I did when COVID happened and we dealt with our own financial disruptions is we moved out of our Manhattan apartment. Not forever. But for a while, because we were managing a major income disruption, and what that allowed us to do was save a ton of money in a way that cutting back coffee wouldn't allow us to save money. But on a more practical level, where we're kind of like sustaining our day-to-day, let's say, there might be other ways to score big wins. If you can renegotiate something like your car insurance, if you can reduce Mm. any kind of those. Bigger bills like your utility cable package or whatever you're paying for, those are monthly recurring savings and that can really move the bottom line in a big way.
2: It also makes me think about the places where we get joy, right? And the things that we've really prioritized during this time that bring us that. And one of those, especially during this crazy time, is ordering out a great meal and having it in our home and lighting some candles and having a nice bottle of wine and just having that, that intimate moment
0: absolutely you know it's there is all of this talk about oh millennials love experiences they're they're such an experience <laughs> <the> generation, generation. <laughs> right and i'm, I'm not going to lie like i do love experiences but part of what this time i think has really shown us is that with some of the things in our home, we can create experiences, right? Like if we do have that nice coffee machine in our actual house, or if we do have the nice cocktail glasses in our house, not only can we you know, save money in doing those right. things at home, but we can also do them in a really safe way during this time. So I think about how do we have <laughs> things that bring us value and joy in our life that facilitates the experiences we want to have in the home.
2: Ooh, I love that. And you know what actually make us incredibly joyful is an awesome espresso machine.
1: Okay, David, listen. So our really good friend, um Kayla had we went over there and she is, has the Breville which is on the Creighton Bureau registry. And so I went on the registry the other day and I was like, "That Breville's here!" And I was so excited because she was like, "Well, if you want one, me, Amanda and Cammy and Candice can go in on it for you if that's what you really want because the registry is amazing in that way where we can get these really nice things that bring us joy. From all of our friends.
2: Come on, friends.
1: I mean, it's I love it. I love this group gifting feature on the Crate and Barrel Registry. Sorry, I had to throw that in there because it's like all of our friends can contribute in a way where we're not, you know, we're not intruding on their shared goals later, too. Totally.
2: <laughs> and especially like you mentioned this before, Stephanie, but we have certain friends who are more on a budget than others. Right. And so, it's as easy as like just splitting the costs, figuring out a way to go on something more meaningful so that we can get the things that we want and so friends can contribute in ways that are okay for them.
1: Well, that also reminded me, we have these amazing wedding planners and you know they really do help us manage expectation and they don't show us things that are outside of our budget where they show it and dangle it in front of us. But there's things like, That they're not accounting for that are important to us. Like, because we're doing a local wedding, you know, in LA where we live, getting out of the house for the weekend is really important to us so that we have somewhere to kind of go and retreat to just to spend time one on one in that crazy chaotic weekend, right? And we love a a nice hotel. That's undoubtedly like one of our favorite things is to staycation. So we had to go back to them and say, this is something that is really important to us, that we have the money and we spend however X amount of dollars on the hotel in Beverly Hills that we can spend Friday to Sunday in and go back to and wake up next to each other in the morning as, you know, husband and wife away from the the normal home that we live in and spend a whole 2020 in, so that was uh, something that we had to prioritize
2: as well. A hundred percent, and I think for us, it's experiences, right? It's time together. It's that those intimate moments. Um, it's been escaping COVID, right? To take a road trip up the coast. It's doing things that actually allow you to to really feel that sense of uh, connection and prioritizing the spending that matters most.
0: I love it. Also that, you know, you're talking about not just your own individual values, but you're starting to align on what those shared ones are, right? You, when we're talking about these splurges that we have, we're talking about them a, as a team. And sometimes that's a great way to frame the conversation to get started. It's it's not like, okay, let's talk about money now and it's really scary and it's really awful. It's like wow, we want to go take this trip together. Wow, we want to have this wedding together. We want to be able to afford this amazing new thing for our home. Okay, how do we do that as a team? And I think in that way, that's where the the conversation gets exciting and sexy again. And so I love framing it from that perspective.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So we have learned so much so far, but you know we've been asking all the questions for a while. So now we want to turn the tables to hear what's on the mind of pop sugar readers. So this is the first one. and They say, I'm a few months into wedding planning and all the sticker shock is making the dollars lose their value almost. There are so many big ticket expenses that the few hundred dollars here or there for smaller to-dos is starting to feel like a drop in the bucket, but I know will add up. So how can I stay on track financially in the face of so many costs.
0: Yeah, I know that feeling. It's like all of a sudden your real money turns into monopoly money and it's like, all right, it's just going. It's going. (laughs) So I'm going to bring up this point again about remembering that your wedding is the beginning of your marriage and not the end point. So remember to to keep the wedding always, even when you're in the thick of a contract with your caterer or your florist (laughs) or whoever it is, when you're looking at the fine print that ice for the bar is another $100, remember the wedding Wedding is just one piece of the larger picture. You can't lose sight of that. That's so important. And for me, I think having moments where I check in with myself and my husband and step back out of that fine print and say, okay, this is this one celebration. It's huge. It's important. But in the perspective of our whole lives, it's just one piece of it. That always helps reground me in what I really care about and what I don't. And when I do step back, sometimes I find that, you know what? I don't really care so much about what shoes I'm wearing. So (laughs) I'm just going to wear shoes I already have because they're under my dress anyway. And so it's that combination (laughs) of like, remembering the bigger context the bigger picture and then being really really generous with yourself about the things you care about but getting ruthless I mean real
1: ruthless about things you don't care about well ruthless is my middle name and i think david <laughs> could account to that for the wedding planning for us I'm like don't need it nope don't need that nope I'm just trying to cut costs wherever we can because I do feel with this like this reader said like it, it does feel like a drop in the bucket but I can see it adding up because I write it down because I'm a list maker. But the the ruthlessness of it is like we do come back to each other and you know every couple of weeks and say like okay so where are we at and what's important to us and that's like what I was saying earlier about the hotel that's really important to us that little tiny staycation totally. you know is just as important to us as the actual day and everybody being there. So that was something that we said where do we have to move this X amount of dollars to cost to make up for that and so I'm all about about the ruthlessness.
2: Well, and Stephanie, too, what you're really saying is not just be ruthless about costs, but be ruthless about living out your values and making choices that reflect your values. And I just love that.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And I very much support your hotel. I splurged big time on a penthouse for our wedding weekend and we hosted everything there before and after. Totally worth it. It didn't matter that I didn't go to the venue in a limousine or in a horse-drawn carriage because I had three days surrounded by my family on a beautiful patio overlooking Central Park.
1: Yeah.
2: No, no. Maybe we should cancel our uh, horse-drawn carriage. What do you
0: think? (laughs) (laughs) Those are my values. Hey, (laughs) you forgot my other rule. Don't let other people's values affect your own.
2: (laughs) That's right. So here's another question from one of our readers. My fiance and I are starting to discuss how to handle our finances after the wedding. Is it worth it to keep separate accounts? Part of me just wants to combine everything for the ease of bookkeeping, but I also don't want to feel like it has to be a conversation every time I want to buy something for myself.
0: So this is where this idea of expectations and boundaries really come into play. And I think one thing that you can do is that even if you don't have all of your accounts in the same place, you can have all of your tracking, all of your goals in the same place. So it can facilitate some of that independence. Let's say the amount of money that you've each set aside for personal spending or your own separate credit cards that you have and can spend anything on as long as you can, one, pay them off on time, and two, don't spend beyond a certain limit. But at the end of the day, like if it's all getting tracked in the same place, then there's a dialogue that's shared and the expectations are shared. I think, again, I don't think there's a single way that works for couples to manage their money. I don't think it has to be all the same accounts. I don't think it has to be all the same credit card. It can be, but I also don't think it has to be all separate. Yeah, I personally, I'm a fan of a hybrid. My husband Mm -hmm. and I each contribute a certain amount to checking each month, a certain amount to savings each month. And that covers all of our shared expenses, occasionally things that we talk about that maybe I paid for our vacation, but I'm going to pay off my credit card bill from our shared savings account just so you know, and then I do that. But otherwise, we spend our money however we want. It's just about making sure that the expectations are clear so that there's not resentment being built up because one, we haven't set expectations or two, we're violating the expectations.
2: I love that and I love thinking about the idea of so many different permutations and possibilities, right? That suggests that like there are lots of potentially good ways to do this depending on your situation. And I think for us, as we think about our context too, the idea of almost like a Venn diagram that you're describing where there's like her portion, my portion, our shared approach, right? Like there's something very interesting about that in thinking About how you can both be great apart and great together in your shared expectations, but also in your individual financial lives.
0: Yeah, I love that. You know, marriage is wonderful, right? But at the end of the day, you're still people who do have different interests, I'm sure, right? You have shared interests, you're in this thing together, but that doesn't mean you spend every moment together and love all the same things. Being able to have flexibility built into your spending plan that allows for that is really, really important. You don't want to be in a financial situation that sets you up for feeling like you need permission for every dollar you spend. Whereas if you say, okay, we each can spend our money beyond what we're contributing to our shared expenses and our shared savings each month, however we want, that allows for that flexibility without constantly feeling that you're having to check in to make Make sure that well, my interests and me spending on my values is, is okay because you want that independence, it's important.
2: Totally. I love that.
1: Okay. This is the big question. Um, what is the one item you would recommend couples put on their registry instead of purchasing themselves?
0: So I am very happy that I registered for all of the nice barware. I have Ooh. nice
1: Dave, cocktail David's glasses. Face just lit up.
0: <laughs> I mean, it is honestly such a treat. So I got these really lovely cocktail glasses, champagne flutes, wine glasses. I got married a year before COVID. So the fact that I have like these cocktail glasses right now is a lifesaver because every, <laughs> you know, every weekend I pull them out and I'm like, who needs the bar? I've got these lovely <laughs> cocktail glasses and I have my little like cocktail recipe book. And I, I, oh, you know, another little thing that's really fun are the ice cubes that like you can put in the shape of a circle or a square I to put them. in yeah. your cocktail
1: glasses, right? Baby, we gotta add those to the registry. <laughs> you really do. We, honestly, it's like bringing the bar home it's like it's so great i can't wait i can't wait to entertain again (laughs) so much fun that's funny when we went shopping for our registry when we went like to go look at all the products we both without speaking went to the barware section
0: (laughs) (laughs) you know where it's at that's That's where the good times happen
1: soulmates soulmates
0: and then after you pour your wine in your beautiful goblet and you make your cocktail with your lovely ice cube you talk about money. You have your money It's our money
2: date. Ooh, yeah. that's a great segue into the money date. I love that.
0: Uh, I mean, it uh, really helps make the conversations a little bit easier.
2: That's <laughs> right. You just put
1: date at the end of it. Exactly. That's right.
2: <laughs> a nice, sexy-looking wine glass and a sexy oh, money yeah. date. You know? Oh,
1: yeah. Um, Stephanie, this was so incredibly informative and helpful and wonderful to speak with you. Thank you so much for coming on with us.
0: Well, thank you both for having me, Jenna and David. I am wishing you such a wonderful wedding and a marriage. Thank, Thank you.
2: you so much.
1: This episode of Love These Days by Pop Sugar is sponsored by Crate and Barrel Wedding Registry. Plates and bowls, bath time and candles, cocktails and movie night. Make your home undeniably yours with a Crate and Barrel Registry. Subscribe to Love These Days by Pop Sugar wherever you get your podcasts.